0: I'm not sure if this is a sign of age or maturity.
1: Reading from the NIV Bible, this section is called Jew and Gentile Reconciled Through Christ. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are gentiles by birth are called uncircumcised by those who call themselves circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Jesus Christ, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made two groups one and has destroyed the barrier who were far away,
0: and peace to those who were near. For through him,
1: we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens of God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling
0: in which God lives by his Spirit. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Welcome to the penultimate sermon in this series on the Beatitudes. And my prayer um, is that God has been at work in us and among us by the power of His Spirit, transforming us to become more like His Son, to be Christians, and to be a church who are increasingly characterized by these beautiful attitudes. And today, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, our world is very fond of talking about peace, isn't it? Uh, we hold peace summits, we organise peace rallies, we uh, sign peace treaties, uh, we even hand out peace prizes. Right? But for all its best efforts, the world has not achieved peace. Wars and rumours of wars uh, continue. In fact, in a book entitled The Lessons of History, Published in 1969, so a little while ago now, the authors calculated that in the previous 3,421 years of recorded history, there had been only 268 years with no war.
0: And the Bible says that the conflicts in our world from the
2: international to the interpersonal are caused by the sin that severs our relationship with God and sabotages our relationships with one another. And as long as sin remains, it will undermine every human effort to achieve real and lasting peace. So what on earth is Jesus talking about? And he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Well, to understand this beatitude, we're going to have to understand uh, how peace is understood in the Bible. Um... In the Bible, it's what the the Bible calls shalom, right? It's a comprehensive sense of well-being and wholeness that is established when one is in a right relationship with God and uh, with one another. And to help us trace this theme all the way through to this beatitude, I have three points uh, this morning. Peace sought, peace wrought, and Sorry, peace brought. Let's bought. Let's say that, that's the first one. Peace bought, peace wrought, and then peace sought. Okay, so I've given myself some poetic license here, but hopefully um, it makes it easier to remember. And so we begin with the most foundational and meaningful peace that the Bible speaks about, and that is peace bought, um, peace bought for us. So in one uh, Colossians chapter 1, Paul tells us that God revealed himself in Christ so that he might reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You see, once upon a time, there was world peace.
0: But that peace broke when we fell.
2: And ever since, ever since, creation has been groaning while awaiting reconciliation. And the promise here is, actually there will finally and ultimately be world peace once again, but through the blood of Christ, for without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins, through the blood of Christ, God holds out an olive branch to us
0: now. And it was awfully costly for him but God offers us this peace freely as in a gift. And if you're a Christian, then
2: this is the gospel that you have come to believe. That's the gospel. And it is the message that, we've been committed, that has been committed to us as his representatives. And so that's exactly what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, all this from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us... The ministry of reconciliation. That God who is reconciling the world to himself through Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's a staggering thought, isn't it? That's what we're going to be doing during the Christianity
0: Explored series. Imploring people to be reconciled to God. But it is only when this peace with God is embodied in the people of God that this message of peace with God is going to be received well. How? How can we
2: ever think to bring to men and women a message of reconciliation between God and us and us and God when we ourselves, when the local church
0: is not reconciled? When there is bad blood between us. When we uh, quarrel and fight.
2: When we're quick to speak and slow to listen. When we give others the cold shoulder or when we take out on others our frustrations.
0: Which brings us to our next point. Peace wrought. Now wrought is an
2: uncommon older word but I had to use it because it rhymed. And it means, it means something like creative. Something like created. So not only has God made peace with us but he has also made a peace between us. And it is this peace that um, Paul writes of in Ephesians chapter 2, which Ken read for us, as he describes how now Jews and Gentiles have been, reco- uh, have been reconciled through uh, Christ. Right? But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away, i.e. that's, that's the Gentiles, that's most of us here at TNPc. You who once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Now, whether this dividing wall of hostility was some sort of barrier set up in the temple, dividing the different uh, courts of the temple, or whether it's just a metaphor, metaphorical wall that divided Jews and Gentiles, the point is that they are now at peace with one another because they are one in Christ Jesus. And to be at peace
0: here does not merely mean just ceasing hostilities,
2: uh, but being accepting of one another and being devoted to one another. And how did he achieve all of this? By setting aside, by setting aside in his flesh The law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. Thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. By which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away. And peace to those who were near. How did he achieve all of this? He repealed the law. He repealed the law. And he started over by creating in himself one new humanity. Christ reconciles both Jewish and Gentile believers in the body, that is in the church. By reconciling
0: them both to God. And in the church,
2: God is building a home. His home. His home. And he used the apostles and the prophets as the foundation. But now he's using you. He's using you. Fitting you in brick by brick. With Christ Jesus as a cornerstone that holds all parts together. In the church, God is building a home. His home. Sounds good, doesn't it? But does it sound too good to be true? Because even, we, even though God has brought us peace with him and wrought this peace between us, the church isn't always so peaceful, is it? So what's going on when we don't live at peace with one another? Well, James has a really succinct answer for us. He writes, For where you have envy and selfish
0: ambition, there you find the sword in every
2: evil practice. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate and submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. The cause of any unpeace among us is
0: our own sinful nature, It's our own sinful desires.
2: And there will continue to be conflict in the world and within the church so long as there is sin. But nevertheless, nevertheless, we are
0: called to be peacemakers, to seek peace. But before we move on, it's worth reflecting on another thing that Jesus says in Matthew 10. He says this, Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. He says, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. What's going on there? Well, Jesus knew the message of peace through his life and death and resurrection would not be universally received. In fact, he knew it would be aggressively resisted. Indeed, the resistance would result in his death and the deaths of many who have followed him. The point is that Christ brings peace, but not
2: neutrality. Christ brings peace, but not neutrality. Those who refuse to receive the peace of Christ will actually find themselves at war with him. And Consequently, for Christians, peace with Christ
0: may also mean hostility with those who refuse to trust in him.
2: Indeed, um, Jesus declared that for His sake families would be divided, father against son and mother against daughter, and even in-laws would clash, as if the in-law dynamic didn't already have a whole bunch of things uh, that needed to be sorted out. But those who refuse to receive the sacrifice of His blood cannot have peace with God and will often find themselves at odds with those who
0: have it. And yet the olive branch. Is offered to all, which brings us to our third point: peace sought. So here's the logic. Right? Now that we've been reconciled to God and therefore to one another, we must seek peace. We'll be peace makers. so I read for me a little earlier from the first chapter of Colossians. A little later in Colossians. Uh, Paul will write this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace, be thankful. To have the peace of Christ rule in our hearts is to have the peace of Christ to be the arbiter
2: between us or, the, or, the, or the, the umpire between us or the referee between us. But unlike what we often see in professional and even amateur sporting matches these days, it is to submit to it. Right? The umpire, the referee has the final call.
0: And so it is with the peace of Christ as we encounter conflict within the church. And why is this peace amongst us so important? because Christ suffered Christ suffered
2: Christ died that he might cement Christians together by his blood and when you or
0: i tear apart those whom Christ has joined together
2: by our pride or by our envy or by our stubbornness or by our foolishness or even by our ignorance We are seeking to dilute the cement of the
0: blood of the Lord Jesus. So it's why the
2: final three questions that we ask of those who are wanting to become members here at TNPC, the final three questions are these. Will you endeavour in the power of the Holy Spirit to love and serve your brothers and sisters who make up this church, resolving conflicts when they arise, and forgiving others here as God has forgiven you? to submit to the elders and other appointed leaders of this church as they submit to God and diligently strive for unity and peace within this church and to leave this church well if the
0: time comes, informing us of your plans and seeking our prayers and blessings. We are called to peace. We are called to peace. And of course, this is qualified by the conditions in Romans 12 if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone? Uh,
2: What do you do if it proves impossible to live at peace with somebody because he or she is refusing to live at peace with you? What do you do if you receive an
0: email that says, never contact me again? I was recently feeling convicted about a certain conflict I've got going on in my life. And although I didn't necessarily seek it, I was
2: given the chance to sort of initiate the peace process. But I received the reply that he was not ready or willing. What do you do? What do you do if it proves impossible to live at peace with somebody because he or she is unwilling to live at peace with you? Well, it certainly doesn't give us the excuse
0: to be warmongers, does it? Let's give it time. And meanwhile, pray for the opportunity. But ultimately, God says, leave it, to me. leave it to me. Jesus also says, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. And at this point, I think it's important to distinguish between peacemakers and peacekeepers. Because I think sometimes we can deceive ourselves into thinking that peacekeepers are peacemakers. But the difference is that peacekeepers don't pretend things are okay when they're not. Which is often what peace... Pardon. Peace, the
2: difference is peacemakers don't pretend things are okay when they're not. Which is actually what peacekeepers end up doing a lot of the time. And in the Old Testament, uh, God condemns the leader of his own people for doing just this. So in Ezekiel, Malcolm, I'm going to have, have to have you take over. In Ezekiel chapter 13, it says, Because they lead my people astray, saying, Peace! When there is no peace. And because when a flimsy wall is built, they cover it with whitewash. Right? To be a peacekeeper is to paper over the cracks. Or in, Je- in Jeremiah chapter 6, they dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Right? To be a peacekeeper is to offer band-aid solutions. A band-aid does nothing, despite what my kids uh, have to say. A band-aid does nothing for the festering wound
0: beneath it. No, to proclaim peace, peace, when there
2: is no peace, is the work of the false prophet, not, not the Christian witness. The point is that a peacemaker doesn't pretend things are okay when they're not. Now, if you're anything like me, you
0: prefer to paper over the cracks. I prefer to offer the band-aid solutions. Because it's easier. But peacemakers are not conflict avoiders. Peacemakers are not conflict avoiders. Peacemakers are not just don't just simply sweep things under the rug.
2: Peacemakers are not just nice and tolerant people. The peacemaker seeks to reconcile. Not by pretending that there is no difference or by suppressing differences but by creating love of the other that transcends differences or that permits people to join hands in spite of differences.
0: This beatitude is not cryptic. There's nothing cryptic about this beatitude. But it is awkward. And it is messy. And it is risky. And it is costly. But think about it. There's nothing cheap about the peace that Jesus
2: bought for us. To reconcile himself to us and us to himself and the Jews of the Gentiles and other hostile groups to one another in the church cost him nothing less than his blood. Why then should we think
0: or we'll expect that peacemaking won't be costly for us? Whether we are the offended party the offending party or just a third party. It'll mean being vulnerable. It'll mean having your sin exposed. It'll mean
2: absorbing a certain amount of hurt. But peacemakers will carry the cross with their Lord for it was on the cross that peace is made. It's not about being a martyr. It's about being a witness. So the
0: type of peace that God has made for us.
2: I want to introduce you to uh, PeaceWise, who are a Christian cross-denominational, not-for-profit peacemaking ministry. And they've got some really, really helpful resources for us to be thinking about all this. In fact, I want to encourage you to head to their website sometime this week and check them out. Here's one of their resources. It's called The Slippery Slope i hoping you can see uh, that from where you are. It's a visual tool for understanding the ways in which people tend to respond to conflict or approach conflict. Now, there are some extremes there. There are some real extremes there. But I suspect that we can all recognise some of these reactions in ourselves as we approach or respond to conflict. In fact, I'm just going to give you a moment to digest it.
0: Also provide nine biblical
2: principles for responding or resolving uh, conflict, and I want to walk through these now. But as I said, there's more details uh, and more resources on their website. The first of which is this: see conflict as an opportunity.
0: Second, glorify God. Third, get the
2: log out of your own eye. It's one of the most challenging principles there is to peacemaking. Jesus says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's
0: eye. Fourth, gently restore.
2: And the Bible gives us some principles for doing so. We're to talk with them privately, but if they do not listen, then we're to ask one or two others to help us to help resolve that, that conflict through mediation or even church discipline. Just last year I was on the receiving end of this process. Um, someone confronted me privately about something that I'd said um, that made them feel uncomfortable and we were able to reconcile there and then.
0: But just imagine for a moment if this person hadn't come to me and had just quietly held it against me. Sabotage any chance for a real relationship and deny us the opportunity for repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation.
2: Fifth, go and be reconciled. That's the biblical goal. That's the biblical goal. To demonstrate what it is that God has done for us in Christ. Six, negotiate in a biblical manner. That is, if further negotiation is necessary. Seven, be prepared for unreasonable
0: people. All right? Remember, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Eight, get help from above. And nine, get help from the church if required. You want. We knew that there were so many steps. We often settle for less. We often settle for less. But to be peacemakers is to seek genuine peace.
2: It is to witness to the sort of peace that God made with us. And so it's hardly surprising that the particular blessing that is attached to peacemakers is uh, for they will be called children of God. Peacemakers will be called children of God because the Son of God himself came into the world to be a peacemaker. Now a photo just flashed up there.
0: Malcolm, can we have that photo again? This is a photo that my, my son found and he's convinced that it's of him. It's, it's, it's me. It's me. But he's convinced that it's of him. Why? Because it just looks like him. I'm not sure you can see it too well from where you are. But just like children resemble their parents, peacemakers resemble their heavenly father and so will be called children of God. My God is the peacemaker, and so those who seek to make peace show themselves to be His children. So I want you to think for a moment: more. More. Is there someone within our church family, or your own immediate extended or extended families, whom you need to sit down with this week and seek? It might be awkward. It's going to be messy. It's going to be risky. It's going to be costly. It's going to take time. It's going to take practice. It's going to take the peace of God to ruin your path. But it is a beautiful attitude. It is a beautiful attitude. Well, as to world peace, the Bible
2: makes it clear that there is going to be wars and rumors of wars until the Lord Jesus returns and brings about an end to the old order of things and institutes a new order of things, new heavens, new earth, where there shall be finally be, finally and ultimately, be peace. For the Prince of Peace uh, will reign, and the greatness of His government, greatness of His government, and peace. We're told that there will be no end,
0: but in the meantime, we're to seek to do what our Father in heaven has done.
2: Father, as we near the end of this series on the Beatitudes, we pray that you will continue to do a work in us and among us by the power of your Spirit to transform us to become more like your Son, to be Christians and a church who are increasingly characterised by these beautiful attitudes.
0: Enable us to be channels of your peace. Help us be peacemakers. Convict us of the areas of our lives where we must apply your word to us this week. You are the potter. And we are the clay. And make us and mould us according to your will. In Jesus name. Amen. We are going to stand and sing once more.